All right. Thank you so much. Uh, Chris, I know you've got to run out today, but before you go, I, I need you to have, come up and stand next to me here for a moment. Um, by the way, um, Harry, Tuan, Chris, Reluca today back at PowerPoint, Peter every week at Sound. Uh, these guys have chosen for this to be their church in New York City. You think about it, all the churches in the city, uh, they've chosen to worship with us on Sunday and to lead us and volunteer. They're not, none of them are getting paid for it. Um, we, give them, we provide a limousine and driver for each one. But beyond that, uh, <coughs> so, uh, so I just, yeah, let's put our hands together and thank them, okay? <coughs> now, we actually think this is the best church in the city. So, you know, I'm not surprised that they come, but you might be that they come. So, uh, there you go. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, so, uh, there's, Chris has a lot of talents, and the ones we know here is he, he plays beautifully, he sings, he leads. I've seen him in some other roles where he leads some things that go on in the city. I've gone to a show where he does comedy, and he's amazing. So he's a very funny person. He also does impersonations, and at some point he's going to – I've asked him to do it here. He does an amazing Denzel Washington, and he, it got posted this week, and it's got 4.5 million views. Because <laughs> uh, – <laughs> You think it's Denzel when you see him and, and listen, and also with a Barack Obama. I mean, he's, he's amazing talent. But <laughs> I, I did discover something, something that you're maybe not as good as you think you are. And so I need you to turn and look at the screen. And, Peter, make, make sure the sound is cranked up, okay? Okay. Okay. <clears throat> So, uh, so that's, that's the, let me, let me just critique, if you don't mind, your dance a little bit, okay? There was, it was just a lot of repetition of the same move. Like, I wanted to see some variety in there, you know? I thought you probably had more in you, but I felt like you were holding back, and, and, I, and the rhythm was off a little bit here and there, you know? Uh, I, I could give you some coaching down the road if you would like some coaching and dancing. Now, <clears throat> I'm not... It's really hard for me to be mean, and I wanted to be really mean. Like, I wanted to say, man, you suck. You're horrible. What are you doing up there? I, it was so bad, I videotaped that, and I left. I couldn't stay for the rest of the show. It just like, and I had nightmares all week about you dancing. It was absolutely awful. Now, now if I actually talked him that way, you'd feel pretty bad for him, and you'd feel pretty mad at me, right? Because we're talking about the tongue and speech. And when I was a little kid, Walt Disney taught me a very important lesson about talking, and actually, we're going to watch... 20 seconds of Walt Disney right here. He doesn't walk very good, does he? He doesn't Dumpus? dance very good, does he? <clears throat> yes, Mama. What did your father tell you this morning? If you can't say something nice, don't say nothing at all. All right. <laughs> so I apologize. That wasn't very nice. Okay. And actually, you dance a whole lot better than I do. Chris, can I get an amen? All right. All right. So, so we've got a couple more weeks um, of talking about something from Scripture that, um, that I think is very practical. And it has to do with how we talk. And we've talked about you know, building people up, and we talked about being honest and, you know, a variety of things. And, and today, um, I could have entitled this message, if you can't say something nice, don't say nothing at all. But I decided to shorten it. And so if you allow me to look, look at the screen, this is my title today. 
Shut up. All right? I know that's not very Christian, very biblical, but it's actually, as you'll see, it's very biblical. There's a time to shut up. Now, I grew up with five siblings, by the way, and, and we got in arguments and fights all the time. And I would say all the time to one of my brothers and sisters, shut up! You know, when they're getting on my nerves or they're teasing me, I got nicknamed. I won't tell you my nickname, but I hated it. All right, I was called Egg, Craig the Egg. I hated it. So my brothers, sisters teasing me would call me Egg. Hey, come here, Egg. And if they really wanted to get me, come here, Egg Mayonnaise, because my last name is Mays, so Egg Mayonnaise. So I said shut up all the time. I was raised in a very strict family. Maybe some of you were. And there were words we couldn't, not even like the normal four-letter words. I couldn't say darn, because that was like the other word. I couldn't say, oh, shoot because that was like the other word. I couldn't even say shut up. And if they heard me say shut up, I got, and this is horrible. This would be child abuse today. Anybody get your mouth washed out with soap when you were a child? Dave, you grew up in a home like that, right? Oh, what a horrible thing. It's like, you know, you're, the words are dirty, so we're going to clean your mouth with soap, and you'll, you'll remember that. And I would say that it didn't change my speaking very much, but it did when my parents were around, because I didn't want to get my mouth washed out with soap. But... The reality is that um, the scripture tells us that there is actually wisdom in shutting up sometimes, and actually many times. In fact, uh, if you look at this, um, this passage from Proverbs 10, it says, when words are many, transgression, or that's sin, or that's failure, that's harm, uh, is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent or is a wise person. And, and if you think about it, um, sometimes when we just get the mouth going and we're talking, don't you ever say things that you wish almost immediately you could pull them back in? But once they're out, it's too late. They've done the, you can even say, I'm sorry, but it kind of doesn't matter. It already, already had its impact. And sometimes when we're talking a lot, we can, we can um, say things we shouldn't, like just an insult. You insult someone, it's unnecessary, but you just do it. Or you over, you're overly critical in your words. Or maybe sometimes you're exaggerating or lying. Or you ever, you ever make promises you know you can't keep, but you say it? which brings great harm to people. So there's lots of damage that we can do with our words. And so this uh, Solomon in his wisdom, um, who wrote a lot of wise words, he said there's, when you talk a lot with many, many words, transgression is not lacking. It's almost unavoidable. It's going to come. So sometimes you need to just stop talking and listen. We're going to get to that in a minute. But that's, you know, if you're not going to be talking, what are you going to be doing? You're going to be listening. Um, Proverbs, uh, Solomon also said in Proverbs 17, 27, whoever restrains his word has knowledge. There's a restraint. There's a self-restraint. In fact, uh, I love this one. Proverbs 17, 28 says, even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. Like there's a certain mystery to you. You're not saying much. They think you're a deep thinker. You're processing something deeply. Maybe you are. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're daydreaming. But there's like, you're not rattling off at the mouth. And again, when you rattle off at the mouth, eventually you're going to stumble into a problem and you're going to incite something. You're going to create conflict. You're going to transgress. You're going to sin. So when you keep silent, people around you think, "Why? this is a wise woman or this is a wise man. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. So if you want to be thought of as more wise and intelligent, you know what you need to do? Keep your mouth shut. Right? Now there's a time to talk, obviously, but we, we cause so much trouble by talking when we should be quiet when we should be silent. The talking is really unnecessary. Um, I got this from, um, let's see if I can find it. Harry was, uh, we were talking about this a little bit this morning. Harry, why don't you just say it? Listen to this statement. This is not biblical, but it is. It's the same idea as Proverbs 17, 28. 
Okay. Better to remain silent and thought a fool than to speak and remove all doubt, right? I tell you, I can think of, I mean, I can't actually keep track of it, but how many times in my life I've said things that I just regret, and there's a permanence to words. You think they dissipate with the air and go away? They don't. They wound people. They hurt people. They fracture relationships. They change the course of history sometimes through something as simple as a word. And and Chris started off this series a few weeks ago. She gave the example from James that the tongue is small, but it's like a rudder of a ship that steers it. Or it's like a little spark that sets a whole forest on fire. So the wisdom of restraint or of holding back is to realize that I might say this in the next moment could change everything. I, um, I mean, I've seen uh, a lot of uh, conflict, and I see the escalation happen when the people just won't be quiet. When I'm trying to stop a conflict, and I was over at 227 Bowery uh, at some dinner meals a couple weeks ago, and, and I watch it start small, and then it escalates and escalates and escalates. And if I could have just said it, hey, would you guys just shut up right now? Of course, that word would have done what? It would have incited even more. But the point was to get, get them separated and say, why don't you just, just, just stop talking for a few minutes, just to be quiet. You know, one of the, um, one of the tragic stories that were told in the Bible is of the, the person named Job. Most of you know the story of Job where he lost everything. He lost his family. He lost all of his possessions, and then he lost his health. So he's really alone in misery. He's suffering. And in Job chapter 3, he kind of cries out and expresses his case before God, and, and he doesn't understand this, and he's in pain. He's really, really, really struggling about it with, with what it went on, as any of us would. And some of you feel that way right now. You feel like you're a little bit of a modern-day story of Job. I don't know the kind of people you're finding around you and the things they say, but I bet you if I had the time today and I said, why don't you share with me everything someone has said to you that wasn't very helpful, right? You, you could write a novel on it. Uh, people maybe even meaning well, but speaking words that, that aren't helpful. And actually what they often do is they show that they don't really understand what you're going through. So then you just feel a separation. It would have been much better if they would have just been quiet and been there with you. Like suffer with you, but not open their mouth and show that, that they're not very wise, right, in terms of what's going on. Well, so Job is in this situation where he's lost everything, and he shares his perspective. Um, and then um, they sat with him, his friends, on the ground seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him. Uh, think about that, a whole week. His best friends, and no one spoke a word to him. And it's interesting um, th- that uh, Scripture actually tells us in Job that he, this is what his friends saw, and this is how they were thinking. When they saw him from a distance, they did not recognize him. Like there's people that wouldn't recognize you right now that haven't seen you for four or five years because of the hardships that you've gone through and how, where you are right now. If they showed up, so this has not been four or five years. This has been a, f- this has been a few days few weeks maybe at the most, and Job has lost everything. And now as they approached him, they didn't recognize him. And then they raised their voices and wept. So those are good friends, right? And they tore their robes and they sprinkled dust on their heads toward heaven. Then they came and sat with him for a week. Didn't say anything. See, there's wisdom in that. And the problem is that when they did decide to speak, in chapter 4 and 5 and 6, they wouldn't shut up. And we know later on in Job, God comes to them and says, everything you said was wrong and hurtful. You were speaking for me. You didn't get it. You had no idea what you were talking about. 
And boy, when I, when I think of that, I think, how many times have I done that? Where I spoke into a situation, I didn't, I didn't take seven days and seven nights to be just with that person to try to understand. I just spoke out of ignorance, out of what I didn't know. And you know, in doing that, they were wounding their friend. Because you know what they were mainly saying? You did something to deserve this. Because God would not let this happen to you. So there's some hidden sin somewhere. There's something you've done wrong. That's why you're in trouble right now. Imagine how wounding that is. Maybe you've had people say that to you. It's true, right? It just, it, it was so painful. So what did he lose? He lost his family. He lost all of his possessions. He lost his health. And then really he lost his friends. Because the friends were no comfort to him. Because they opened their mouths and they spoke in ignorance. Um, I skipped over this slide. I want to go back to it. Um, James in the New Testament um, said, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, and then slow to anger. And, you know, there's this progression again. If people aren't listening and they start talking, anger is going to come because you're speaking in ignorance. You're saying things to the person that don't come from understanding or from empathy. If, if, someone, if one of you came up to me and asked me advice today after, and I don't, didn't know anything about your story, and I started telling you, well, you should do A, B, and C, that could be the worst thing for you to do. If I was really going to be helpful to you, I would say, well, listen, we need to carve out some time for me to hear your story. I need to know who you are. I need to know what you've gone through. I, if we had time, I'd like to know how it all started. Tell me the family you were raised in. Tell me the circumstances that you've experienced in life. Tell me the good, bad, and the ugly. Uh, to know all of that, because... I have nothing to say to you until I have that level of understanding of you and who you are. And so I should just shut up and I should listen to be quick to hear. That means really you're anxious to hear. You know, you know how <laughs> you ever talk to someone and you know as you're sharing, you can tell they're not really listening and, and they're, they're almost like their lips are moving already and they can't wait till you stop talking so they can tell you something, you know? You ever see that? It's like, like they're talking and you're going, they're going... And as soon as you're done, they like pounce and they tell you whatever they want to say. And you think, did you just hear anything I said? It's like, we do that. I've had many people like that. And I, I know sometimes I find myself doing that where I've already decided what I'm going to say to you and you're still talking, but I've stopped listening. And it's interesting if you're paying attention to a person, you can see when they do that, right? There, there's something in their eyes, their body language that they're, that they're, they're just not listening anymore. And, and I'm that sometimes. But the exhortation from the Bible, from the New Testament, from James, is brothers let, and sisters, let every person be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger. And actually, if you're quick to hear, you'll never get to the anger. You'll never get to the anger. Um, so when, when Job's friends, after seven days of silence, Eliphaz the Temanite answered and said, if one ventures a word with you, will you be impatient? Yet who can keep from speaking? I mean, this guy, he says, I can't help myself. I got to talk. And then he talks and talks and talks and talks. And if you read the book of Job, you get tired of it after a while. It's chapter after chapter after chapter. You find yourself saying, man, I, I can't believe Job is hanging in there at all. I wonder if he's even listening. That would have put me to sleep. Just going on and on, droning on and on. And they're doing it in ignorance, not really understanding what's going on. There's a... Uh, there's a saying that became very popular through a book called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. The author's name is Stephen Covey, uh, who's passed away now, but this book was a bestseller over and over again for decades. 
in one of the seven principles, so there's seven habits of people that are effective, one of the seven comes right from what we're talking about. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. What that's saying is that whenever we have any encounter with a person, our primary goal before we say anything is to understand. This is especially important when you're in conflict. If someone comes up to you and accuses you of doing something and your first thought is, I didn't do that or you've got that all wrong, your inclination is to start defending right away, right? And if you do that, you're going to use words to defend and that person's then going to get on their heels and be on their defensive and it escalates to anger or you can't solve the problem and you walk away. That's why the scripture exhorts us to listen first. So if someone comes up and accuses you of something or makes some critical remark about you, you should say, Okay, well, tell me more. Help me understand how you felt. Yeah, well, ask questions, explore. You're like a scientist trying to get to the bottom of what actually happened here. Now, in the end, they might be wrong. They might have misunderstood. They might be mis misjudging you in some way. But see, we're quick to try to get there and try, instead of trying to understand. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. You'll get your chance. I'll tell you what, if a person feels listened to and feels understood and feels like there's empathy there, then they'll listen to you when you have something to say, which is why you have to do it in this order. You have to let them go first. You have to let them speak first. You have to let them unburden themselves and say what they want to say. And you have to show that you really are interested in understanding. And by the way, sometimes if you do this, you might discover you were wrong when you didn't think you were wrong. Because guess what? We make mistakes, don't we? Defensiveness comes to us so easily. And we use our words to defend. I would say that's one of the main problems with communication or talking or with our tongue is our defensiveness comes out through our speech. Right away we go to that. Or you know what we do? Here's, here's a real common um, tactic that we use. We just bring some accusation against them. So maybe you did something wrong, but when you get to talk, you say, well, what about you? You did ABC. Well, then you just got this going on. It's almost, it never gets resolved that way. So the the... Exhortation, which is hard. This is really hard stuff. This isn't like 101 stuff. This is hard stuff. It's that w when there's some conflict or some hard words or something coming against me that I will commit to this. I'm going to understand first everything you're saying and feeling. I'll ask you questions. I'll listen. I'll take notes if I have to. I really want to get to an understanding. And then out of that understanding, and by the way, here's how you know if you understood or not. Not because you think you did. You say, so here's what you're telling me. And then you tell them what you think they said. And, and if you got it, they're going to say exactly right. And then they're going to feel understood. Then you're going to be able to speak. So you should ask that quite. You should do that. You should practice that. Listen, all right, so you're really upset with me. Tell me more. Help me understand what you think happened, what I said, how it made you feel. Tell me all of that. And listen. And then when you're done, you say, okay, so what you're saying is that when I cut you off in that conversation, you felt disrespected. You didn't feel like I valued your opinion. And you're telling me that I do this all the time. And you think that I think you're stupid. And I'm, so there, you don't want to be around me. You see, if, that, if that's what you heard, you say it back. And they say, yeah, exactly. You nailed it. Now it's your turn to talk. And maybe at that point you're realizing, you know, I do that. And you say, you know what, you're right. And actually, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Thank you for telling me that because I want to get better. In fact, I invite you to interrupt me when I'm doing that in the future because I don't want to treat you that way. And if I treat you that way, I bet I, I treat other people that way. And so you're going to be, you're going to help me get better at this. Now, maybe there's some things that you heard that you think were a misunderstanding. So in a non-defensive way, you can say, well, let's go back to that when we were, when we were sitting in the park and the thing that really hurt you. 
Here's what I was trying to say to you. I'm sorry if I failed. I didn't come across exactly right, but this you, you'll get your chance to do that. But if you go there right away, person feels like you're just being defensive. You're not going to own your stuff. So, you know, God gave us, as someone said a long time ago, God gave us two ears and one mouth, right? Double. So work twice as hard at listening as you do at speaking. Okay, when, just a minute. One last thing, okay? This Proverbs 18.13 is so funny to me because it's so, if you think, if you actually think through it, it's crazy to give an answer before you hear. It'd be like, uh, okay, I have a question for, for you, Tuan. And I go, I go, next Tuesday, and you go, you give an answer. Well, he didn't hear what the question was yet. There's some game show where they kind of do that, right? Is it Jeopardy or something? You get part of it, and you, you know, as soon as you get three words, you try to give the answer. I don't know. I'm not into game shows. But, um, but the reality is, like, imagine if you went to your doctor and you said, yeah, I'm not feeling very well, and he cuts you off and says, okay, I'm going to give you an antibiotic and schedule for an MRI. You go, wait, I, I just have a hangnail, okay? I, I, I just know, I want to know how to, how to treat this. Like, you, the doctor is going to ask you, if they're a good doctor, she or he is going to ask you lots of questions, right? Because they can't give an answer until they know what the issue is. So that's what we often do. And the, again, in the wisdom of Proverbs in 17 and 18 are two great chapters to read because there's lots about speech about this in Proverbs 17 and 18. But he says, if you give an answer before you hear, it's folly and shame. So it's another exhortation to shut up and to listen. Now, Chris, you know, started us off today with um, reminding us of our values, that we would love God and others, we would lock arms, and we would live open-handed. Um, all of these things that we teach in here are part of the way that God, through the wisdom of Scripture, wants to build community here. So the exhortation today for Communitas, if this is your church and if you come and stay a part of our community, is I want us to become really good listeners. I want us to work really hard at it. When someone, if they're upset with you, you're going to set aside your pride and your defensiveness. I'm going to try to do that. And I'm going to listen to what you have to say before I say anything. I, I'm going to do all the other things we've practiced. If, you know, use your words only to build up and to encourage. Let's speak the truth. If you're not fine, don't say you're fine when someone asks how you are. We looked at that with Julie a couple of weeks ago. So all of these things are ways that we build the kind of community we want to live, a, a community that's authentic, that's loving each other the way God loves us, and, and that is locking arms together. Um, if we can't listen to each other, there's no hope of that. So be good listeners. Let's be good listeners. So God... I just, um, I pray as we uh, wrap things up today, thank you for this community. Um, I thank you for all the words of encouragement that I hear from men and women in this room. I confess the times when I've um, failed to share words that would encourage or build up. Confess the times that I haven't listened well. I think I know the answer before I've listened. Um, I just pray that you would help us all to lean into this, to acknowledge and admit when we're when we fall short, uh, to want to grow, to be willing to hear from each other words that would be uh, corrective, but would help us grow because we all need to grow. Uh, we just ask, I ask for a spirit of humility to fall on us, uh, that we would be open to where this message might, might need to penetrate deeply into our hearts, that we would see the value of saying less, listening more, understanding, and um, just having an honesty with each other and before you. We pray all this in your name. Amen.